we give them a round of applause? Let's give our children a round of applause this morning. Amen. We're so glad you guys are here. Amen. So again, 1 Samuel chapter 30. Um, we're going to be reading verses 1 through 9. And as you turn there this morning, I want to go ahead and just open this up and say uh, a couple of things and just say, thank God that we're here. Thank God that we're able to gather. Thank God that we're still uh, in the midst of a living Savior. Amen. And I just thank the Lord that we are privileged, even though uh, COVID's still going on, even though things are shutting down, we have been given the ability to gather here together and worship the Lord this morning. And I just want to thank God for that. And if you're thankful for that, can we just give the Lord a round of applause this morning for that? Amen. I'm so glad. Um, as you turn, I want, to, I want to preface this. We're starting a new series this morning, this year. This is the first Sunday of 2021. And uh, we're going to be talking about making moves. Making moves. How many people knows that every year around this time, people make New Year's resolutions, right? And we, we have plans and dreams and aspirations to move forward from the previous year. And if you don't, you didn't live in the same year that I lived in. Come on, somebody. But the truth is, is that we all have visions, plans, and dreams to make this year the best year that we've ever had. That we've ever had. So we're going to talk about that the next four Sundays. Today and the next three Sundays, we're going to talk about making moves in the direction to be more godly, to live under the influence of the kingdom more and more and more every single day. And we're going to start this morning by making this statement, it's never too late to start over. It's never too late to start over. And I want you to get that in your heart, and I want you to get that in your mind this morning. And I'm going to shift here real quick, and we're going to just move right into this. The legend of chess says that it was invented in 200 B.C. 200 years B.C., before Christ, the game of chess was created. And it was created by a commander of an army whose name was Han Skin. I hope I pronounced that correct. But he invented the game to represent a particular battle that he was fighting at that time. See, he was a commander of an army, and he wanted to replicate what was going on that he saw, and he created the game of chess. Soon after the battle, an important battle in Chinese history, the game was forgotten, but it resurfaced in the 7th century A.D. with several new rules. They say that the game of chess is a game of wits, a game of mental strengths, and you want to outsmart the person that's sitting across the table from you. You have to think moves ahead in order to beat your opponent. Why? Because they are thinking moves ahead. And in this series, we're going to be going step by step on how to plan for victory in the year 2021. I don't know about you, but I've seen a lot of defeat over the past few years. But I want to live in some victory. How many people want to live in victory this morning? And we have that opportunity. We have that availability. But today we're going to look at King David. And one small thing that he done to set up a victory in his life. That it was really, really important. Even though it was really, really small. And what it was is he set the board. And some of you are thinking, what do you mean by that, Pastor Joe? We're, gonna just, we're just going to unpackage and unbox that. Here we go. 1 Samuel 30, 1 through 8. If you don't have it with you, we're going to put it on the screen. 
Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south. And Ziklag attacked Ziklag and burned it with what? Fire. Verse 2. And it had taken captive the women and those who were there for a, uh, from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but they carried them away and they went their way. So David and his men came to the city and there it was, burned with fire. And their wives and their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices. They wept, listen to this, until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Ahinoam and the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Verse 6. Now David was greatly distressed. This is a point that I want you to hear. David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him. Because the soul of the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. The King James Version said, David encouraged himself in the Lord. In the Lord. Verse 7. Then David said to Abathar the priest, Camelic's uh, uh, son. That's, some of these words are hard to pronounce, so forgive me. You know, I live in Tennessee, so we don't call people those names. Anyway. Please bring the ephod here to me. And Abathar brought the ephod to David. Verse 8. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail, recover all. Let's pray this morning. God, we just ask that you use this word. Let it minister to our hearts. Let it minister to our spirits, God. And Lord, we ask right now in the name of Jesus to do what only you can do. We give you honor. We give you glory in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. So we see David in a spot, right? David is in, if you've never seen this story or heard this story, David's in a position that's pretty, pretty peculiar. Why? Because David is leading his army. And his army comes to their homeland to find that it had been burned down. And not only had it been burned down, but their wives and their children have been taken for slaves. That's a spot. <laughs> I don't know if you know anything about war, but you don't want to be on the losing side of war. Right? I don't know anybody that wants to be on the losing side of war. But David done something. He set the board. Pastor Joe, you keep saying that, but what does it mean? What does the term set the board mean? When you play a game of chess... And you are going to play an opponent in chess. There's something particular that you have to do. How many people know that you can't play a game of chess unless you first take the board out of the box? I know, it's practical, right? I'm, I, I, some of y'all came to church this morning to hear some deep theolo theology, and I, I might give it to you here in a minute. But right now, we're going to be practical. You can't play a game of chess... Until you take the board out of the box and you take the pieces and do what? Set the board. Set the board. Well, Pastor Joe, what if I don't know how to set the board? We're going to discuss that. But what it literally boils down to is this. 
You have to make up in your mind. And David had to make up in his mind, I'm going to play. I'm going to fight. That's what David had to do. He had to make a decision, and he had to make that, that crucial decision within a matter of seconds. Contrary to popular belief, I want you to hear this. Contrary to popular belief, the game of life is going to continue to roll whether you're ready or not. And if you hang on long enough, it's going to hurt. Come on, somebody. I don't know about you, but there's been plenty of times in my life that things have happened and I've wept and I've cried and it hurt. But that did not stop life from trucking on. And it didn't stop life from bringing more pain sometimes and bringing more agony sometimes. But here's what I want you to know. The victory always hinges on you being ready to play the game. You being ready to go to war. Because the truth is, unless you sit down and set the board, you're never going to win. What does that mean if we don't sit down and set the board? If I'm going to play you in a game of chess, you show up. And I show up, but we never play the game. What does that mean? I forfeited. You have to take an initiative to move, to set the board. Pastor Joe, you keep saying that. I want, I'm going to engrave it into your head this morning. The reason why is because unless you set the board today, 2021 is going to be hard on you. It is. But Pastor Joe, I thought you was going to preach us happy. I'm trying to. Just hang on. In our passage, we met a David that was in a serious predicament. Scripture told us, in this passage, it told us that his men wanted to kill him. I don't know about you, but I've had adversaries that don't want me alive. And the enemy, the devil, is one of them, right? The enemy wanted to kill him. Satan wanted to kill, wanted to kill David because we know, past tense, we know that David is the lineage of where Christ come from, right? We know that. So the enemy was out to sift him. He was tired from traveling a three days journey. Number four, he cried until he couldn't cry anymore. Has anybody in the room been there before? You know, I don't know about you, but last year kicked my tail in. I was tired. I felt like I had enemies. I felt like I had adversaries, which I did, spiritual ones. And some physical ones. You want to call up some people, they might say, that Joe Ayers is a character. And I'm sure that you all are in the same boat. But I cried tears last year till I felt like I couldn't cry anymore. And I found myself in, in spots that I didn't want to be. But David done something in verses 6 through 8 that encourages me. It gives me a road map for winning this year. It gives us all a road map for having victory in our lives this year, verse 6 through 8 says this, And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stone in him, because the soul of the people were grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. David encouraged himself. In the Lord. How many people in here is, if you're honest, would have said, you know what, Pastor Joe, there's been plenty of days I woke up and I've wanted to quit. If your hand ain't raised, I doubt your, I doubt your honesty this morning. You, wanted, you woke up and you wanted to quit. You felt like you was alone in a crowded room. And you know where your help comes from? Not people. I'm going to say it again. Your help don't come from people. Why? Because people are fickle. Wow, it's quiet in this Presbyterian church this morning. But the truth is, is that people are fickle. They're here for you when everything goes good, right? 
Some of y'all have, have had more people come to your doorstep since your stimulus check has showed up, right? You know, but the truth is, is that people are fickle, but God is consistent. How many people are thankful that we serve a consistent God this morning? David encouraged himself in the Lord. What does that look like? You've got to get your mind right. You've got to get your mind right. What does that mean? Get it on the right place. Up till this point, his mind was on everything else. Think about it. His mind was on everything else. He was distressed. He was tired. His men wanted to kill him. He had an enemy that wanted to kill him. Both of his wives were gone. Come on, somebody. That's a, that's a, that's a heartache in itself. It's hard enough having one wife, nonetheless two. Come on. He had two wives, right? But both of them were gone. His kids were gone. And the enemy, looked, it looked like the enemy had already won. And he was discouraged. And he was distressed. And he was defeated. But the Bible says that he encouraged himself in the Lord. I want to make this point for you, and I want to make it very clear this morning. There is nobody who is going to encourage you better than you. That's good preaching, Pastor Joe. There's nobody who's going to encourage you better than you. So stop looking for someone else to make you feel happy. Make your mind up that we're going to play the game and I'm going to encourage myself where? In the Lord. Man, he made up his mind. David got his mind right. And his mind, it happened in a matter of seconds. He encouraged himself in the Lord he's, and he thought to himself, wow, I don't have to worry about everything that's going on around me. I've just got to focus on the one who can handle everything, right? And who is that? That's the Lord. That's the Lord. And I know some of you all are thinking, Pastor Joe, you don't know the year that I came out of. You don't know the heartache that I've seen. You don't know the worry that my bank account's empty. You don't know. And you know what? As a pastor and as a man, I can stand here and say, you're right. I don't know. But I know what I've been through. But the truth is, is here's what I want you to understand. Every single person in this room this morning. How many people woke up this morning? That should be everybody. Here's the truth. You woke up with a clean slate. What? Pastor Joe, you don't know. You're right, I don't know. But God knows. And he gave us a clean slate. See, what's funny is, that I've already mentioned it, every year we have New Year's resolutions. We come in, we want to do new things, and we want to, we want to go to the gym, we want to lose that weight. You know, and, and Dave Ramsey makes a statement that cracks me up because it's so true. The person that we battle with the most is the man in the mirror. If I could get the man in the mirror under control, I could be skinny and rich. So it took y'all, took some of you a couple of times to, to think about it. But it's true. We battle ourselves. But the good thing is, is we woke up this morning with a clean slate. We are only a couple days in to 2021. And somebody in this room is going to have a new start. You're going to have a brand new start. Why? Because up till now, nothing has happened. Right now in this moment, nothing is happening. And the future relies on our mindset to play the game, to set the board, and move forward with victory in mind. Come on, somebody. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a what? New creation. What does new mean? Clean. Clean slate. 
See, I got these boots on this morning my wife so graciously gave me for Christmas. Now, if you've seen the pair of boots that I had been wearing up to this point, they have scuffs all over them. Why? Because they've been through some things. They've endured some things. They've stepped in some puddles. They've stepped in some other stuff that I had to clean off of them that didn't smell so good. But the thing is, is they had been through things. But this morning, I have something on that's new. And I want to encourage you this morning. When God comes and does something, He does a new thing. He does a new thing. So the cycles that you've been repeating for the past two or three years have been because you are the one who's repeating them. Thank you. <laughs> but the truth is, is our cycles and our hardships and the things we go through often hinge on us. Why? Because when God does something, He does something new. He does something new. And I want you to get this this morning. You may be sitting here this morning. Pastor Joe, I'll hear what you're saying. It's all good. That's awesome. Thank you for trying to encourage me. But you still don't get it. Well, the truth is God doesn't hold grudges. Thank God for that this morning. God doesn't hold grudges. You know, we oftentimes hold grudges, even against ourselves. I can't believe I've done that. I can't believe I would do that. Why did I go through with that? And then we often have shame that follows that. And then we often have guilt that follows that. But God doesn't function that way, right? The thing that you think disqualified you, God doesn't hold it against you. It's gone. The mistakes you made yesterday that makes you feel inadequate and unworthy, God doesn't hold it against you. It's gone. You woke up this morning with a clean slate. Come on, somebody. Trials aren't meant to define us. They're meant to refine us. I'm going to say it again. Trials and hardships aren't meant to define who you are. They're meant to refine who you are. And you can use every ugly and hideous thing that's ever happened to your life to become better and greater and different than what you was two days ago, one day ago, one minute ago. You're not a victim of your circumstance. The fire is there to change you. We often look at fire as to harm us. And I get it. Nobody, nobody sticks their hand in fire and says, oh, that feels good. <laughs> you know, we don't do that. Why? Because it burns. And fire, what? Changes. And when we look at hardships in our lives, it hurts. It's painful. What they said hurts and you can't get rid of it. What you went through hurts and you can't get over it. It's always going to be there. But that does not define who you are. It refines who you are. It makes you stronger. It makes you more, you know, just headstrong. There's things in your life that you, that some of us in this room are clinging to that we don't need to be clinging to. Why? Because we have a new slate. It's clean. It's fresh. What you went through, that mistake, what happened, had the potential to make you better, not bitter. I'm going to say it again. There's a lot of things in our lives that we've allowed to make us bitter instead of making us better. Come on, somebody. I've seen it. I've seen it in church. I've seen it outside of church. I've seen it within family. I've seen it anywhere and everywhere. Rich people, poor people. People have things that happen to them and they're bitter. You live in 20 years ago because somebody didn't do what you wanted them to do. Live free. Come on, somebody. 
Someone said something that hurt. Someone done something that you hate. Something you did that you regret. It's past you. You woke up this morning with new mercies and new graces. You don't have to live there anymore. You have a new slate that God's gave you this morning. Come on. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Pastor Joe, that sounds good, and I'm ready to move past everything. How do I set the board? Here's how you set the board. Are you right? You ready? Everybody ready this morning? Here's how you do it. Number one, you've got to remember your past. Pastor Joe, you just told me not to remember my past. You told me to let go of my past. No, 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 not that past. The past where God done things. See, David remembered. He encouraged himself in the Lord. And he had enemies all around him, and he had people who wanted to kill him. And he thought back, man, I've had enemies before. I remember this giant that was huge that nobody in my camp wanted to fight, but I told him that I would do it. And you know what God done? He gave me victory. I remember the lion that was out to kill my sheep, and I killed it with my bare hands, not because I'm some super strength person, but because God's on my side. And when we learn to lean into our previous victories, come on, somebody, it makes us a lot, a lot more apt to have victory moving forward. Because we learn and we realize that our victories don't come from our successes. Our victories come from our God. I'm going to say it again. Our victory is not our successes. Our victory is our God. That's where our victory comes from. When David remembered the Lord, he became absolutely fearless. Psalms 27 and 1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I be afraid? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? Romans 8 and 31 says, If God is for me, who can be what? Against me. You know what you have to do whenever you're staring something down that you don't think you have victory over? Remember the things that you've stared down before that you didn't have victory over. <laughs> Come on, somebody. You know, one of the biggest things that they say in sports that's hard to get past is your opponent. That's the hardest thing to get past. And I don't know about you, but there was plenty of times that I played sports. I played football whenever I was really little. And I say that because I was really little. <laughs> I was super, super small. And these guys would line up. I was telling somebody the other day, we, I played for Bean Station Elementary, and we always played against Joppa. And those dudes looked huge to me. I don't know what they fed the people on this side of the Bean Station line, but those guys looked like monsters to me. And it was because I was so small. But we would line up against those dudes. I'd be like, ah! and they'd toss me. I don't know how long I've been preaching without a microphone. People on Facebook probably won't hear me. Anyway, but the truth is, is there have been plenty of times that I had, we've played Joppa before. And a coach would tell us, we beat them last year. We beat them last year. You know what you can do? You can beat them this year. And I had to lean into that. He remembered his past. When you feel distressed, when you feel discouraged, remember how many times God's delivered you. And what will it do? It will encourage you. It'll encourage you. Number two is David prayed. I know, believe it or not, as Christians, that's something we should do on the regular. <laughs> you know, but we don't always do it, right? 
David encouraged himself through prayer to God. The life of David was a life of prayer. He cried out to God, and when he didn't, he got in trouble. Remember Bathsheba? He didn't take that, that idea to the Lord in prayer. There's a lot of things in our lives that if we would just take it to the Lord in prayer, we wouldn't do stupid stuff. Come on, somebody. <laughs> you know, every stupid thing I've ever done, if I would have stopped and said, God, do I need to do this? Most likely, I wouldn't have done it. And that's the thing. When we take whatever it is to the Lord, we're preparing our mind. We're setting the board up for a game that we can't lose. We're making decisions. I'm going to do this God's way. And I choose to let God have his way. Psalms 34 and 4 said, I prayed to the Lord and he answered me and he freed me from all my fears. Come on, somebody. I don't know about you, but we're going into a year that's uncertain. We don't know what's going on. We're going to have things that are going to happen in the next couple of days that is going to bring some uncertainty to our country, to our lives. But how many people knows that our our faith is in the Lord and we don't have a reason to fear? How many people are thankful that God is that God for us? Amen? That He gives us that strength and that courage. Number three is that He realized, and this is the big one, that God is in control. He realized that God is in control. David encouraged himself in the Lord. He set the board by knowing that God was in control of his life. 30, Psalm 31 and 5 says, My times are in your hands. You deliver me from the hands of my enemies and from those who pursue me. David prayed for deliverance, but at the same time he knew that the times were in God's hands. Did you hear that? David prayed for deliverance, but he also knew that everything was up to God. I have a, my boss, he makes this statement, and I want to pass it along to you because it's a really awesome revelation this morning. I talk to him sometimes about life goals and plans. He'll, he'll ask me all the time, hey, how is your life goals going? Where are you going to be at in the next five years? What are you going to look like in the next five years? How's your family going to be in the next five years? And thank God for people who are going to pull that out of you. Come on, somebody. And so he always makes this statement. He says, I work like it's up to me, but I pray like it's up to God. I work like it's up to me, but I pray like it's up to God. And I want you to hear that this morning, that there are going to be things in your life you're going to have to work towards like it's up to you, but you're going to have to remember that it's up to God. I don't know if that gives you all some hope or some courage this morning, but it blessed me to know that everything is in the Lord's hands. But I've still got to do my part, right? So number one was that he, he remembered his past. Number two is he prayed. Number three is he realized that God was in control. Here's the big one. Number four, he asked God what to do. How many people knows? And I've used this analogy multiple times in the past couple months, but I, I think it's a great analogy. I work every day and I use my GPS every day. And if I type in a location that I want to get to, my GPS tells me how to get there. In X amount of miles, turn right. In X amount of miles, turn left. Stop signs ahead. Red lights ahead. How many people knows that we can listen to God that way? What's funny is, is if I don't listen to my GPS, it starts rebuking me. It does. Return to route. Proceed to route. Proceed to route. Proceed. And if I just do my own thing, proceed to route. Proceed to route. 
And it lets me know that if I do things the way I want to do things, I'm not going to get to the location that I'm trying to get to. And it's the same way in life. God has a mapped out location for you, a mapped out end result for you, and He wants something great for you. But if you keep going straight when He tells you to turn left, you are not going to get to that location. We need to learn how to ask God what we need to do. 1 Samuel 37 and 8 says, And David said to Abathar the priest, Bring me the ephod. So he brought the ephod to David. And David inquired to the Lord, Should I pursue this band? Shall I overtake them? And God answered. Imagine that. Asking God something and Him answering. <laughs> you know what? A lot of times we don't hear from God because we don't talk to God. I'm going to say that again because that, that felt like that stung a little bit. A lot of times we don't hear from God because we don't talk to God. We don't talk to God. He sought the direction of God. We do the same thing through word and prayer. And some things are cut and dry. Can I just say that? Some things are cut and dry. God wants us to do something. And he'll tell us, do this. And we're like, that sounds like a great option, Lord, but I don't think I want to. <laughs> Y'all ever done the Lord that way? Yeah? It's funny to me because there's times I'll tell my son to do things. And I'm like, hey, son, do you care to do this? And I can see it all over his face. I don't want to do that. And so there's times that he'll find ways to get around doing those things. And some things are just cut and dry. I need you to do this. I don't need to tell you why. I don't need to give you information. Just do it. Just do it. I mean, y'all ever had God do you that way? He talks to me like that. I don't know about you all. But he's like, hey, do this. Why, Lord? And I'll wait and wait and wait. And sometimes it's just not meant for us to know. But the truth is, is that we still have to seek God. And we have to ask God. And we need to rely on God to give us the directions that we need. And it's just like setting up this board. I'm never going to be able to have success. I'm never going to be able to have victory. I'm never going to be able to win a game of chess unless I decide to sit down at this table and set up this board. And you're never going to have success and you're never going to have victory and you're going to have another mediocre, ungodly year unless you decide to sit down and say, all right, Lord, I'm going to set this board up. Tell me how to get victory. Instruct me. Lead me. Guide me. I want to have a great godly year. And it comes when we decide to set the board. I challenge you this morning to seek and ask God, God, is this me? Is this where I'm at? Have I not? You know, some of you, again, like I said, you may have came in here with some serious, serious baggage, not understanding that today was a new day. Yesterday's gone. It's gone. There's absolutely nothing you can do. It's like the toothpaste that's out of the tube. You can't put it back in there. There's nothing that is going to change. It's not going to be any different. But today is the day that we decide. From this point, from right now, I'm moving forward. From this point, from right now, things are different. 
from this point, right now, I'm not going to be the same person I was. And here's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to remember the things from you, and I'm going to lean into God into the future. I'm going to remember what God done for me in the past, and I'm going to lean into who God is now and what he wants to do for me in the future. Come on, can we just bow our heads real quick? If you're in the room this morning and say, Pastor Joe, I didn't realize that I have an option to start over, to start new, to start fresh. And you want to make that decision today. Would you raise your hand? All over the room, there's...